psychologist, and she had a lot of insight in terms of sharing about what her patients deal with, and she's written a book as well. So we can go ahead and listen to that. Oncology, where there are things coming up all the time, new information, nothing is 100% right. I think that caretakers try their best, but the knowledge platform is always changing, which is a good thing. I think we are learning more all the time. My name is Pamela Munster. I'm a Swiss native. I came to the US when I was 28. I, my professional life is really focused on developing new treatments for people with advanced cancer. My focus is actually breast cancer. And then I have a particular interest in in younger women and fertility and, and hereditary cancer. So it was quite surprising that I was then diagnosed with breast cancer at 48, and I was sort of like not feeling um, that I met any criteria of, of, you know, we don't have a large cancer family. My father's a single child. So I found out that I have a, a BRCA2 mutation. So all of a sudden I found myself with the, a disease where I'm really an expert in. Um, it was an interesting um, position to be in. You know, on one hand, I knew so much about this disease. Um, and on the other hand, as a, as a patient, you realize how little you, one actually knows. So I wrote a book, Twisting Fate, about uh, the perspective as a physician and patient. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a lot of uh, what I'm going through is like really through the initial stages of, of what the patient experience, what the medical science behind is. But then also how this phenomenon of the cancer blues, uh, how, how significant the, the part depression part um, is not just depression, it's this incredible uncertainty. Depression is just one part, but there's, a, there's another really strong feeling that's really hard to place or explain to someone unless you have been there, and that's this uncertainty that comes with the loss of your immortality. And that sort of like black vertex that people fall into. I think everyone has to find their own ways of self-calming or, or accepting. For some people, it's faith. For some people, it's friendship. And for other people, it's exercise. And hopefully, for many, it's all of them. And, and I think a lot of it is time. The, the way to acceptance is it's, uh, not, uh, not easy. And you know, I grew up in, in, in Switzerland. Um, there's a lot more pressure on people in the US to be happy. And that is particularly prevalent in California. California is my absolute favorite place to live, but it's also um, a challenging environment to live in. There's the sense here the sky is the limit, but that also gives you that need to constantly reach for the sky right? when you could allow yourself a day of non-reaching. You know, there's, a, there's clearly there's, a, there's factors that are well known and they are clear and there's nothing much you can do about it. And one of them is like, having a hereditary cancer mutation like BRCA1 and 2 at the highest risk for, for breast cancer. Like you have BRCA1 or 2 mutation, you have a 70% risk of having cancer, breast cancer over life. And then there's other mutations that have a lower risk in the 20 to 40% is like ATM check to 
uh, and many other mutations. And then, of course, there are environmental factors. Obesity. Alcohol has been associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, and frankly, excessive alcohol is bad for everybody, right? Because there's there's a lot of heart disease associated with obesity. It's like there's not a liver doesn't like a lot of alcohol either. And then other risk factors are. Um, excessive estrogen and progesterone exposure has been associated, but is a, is a magnitude lower than, than hereditary mutations. Lack of exercise or sedentary lifestyle is clearly associated with an increased risk for breast cancer. And exercise is valuable on so many levels that I, I would encourage every woman to exercise regularly. It just does a lot of good things for, sure. all, for overall health, overall emotional well-being. Nice to go out with friends and walk through a forest and just sit in a cafe and smoke. So, um, and other risk factors are, we don't know yet, maybe lack of sleep. Sleep has uh, become a much more well-known uh, of a risk uh, a negative health factor if you don't sleep enough. How this pertains to breast cancer is unclear. Some Scandinavian countries have now made breast cancer and shift worker uh, a uh, work-related illness. So and there's clearly emerging data on that. I think like on a medical front, we have a lot of good resources, a lot of good treatment, there's a lot of advances, and we make a lot of progress when it comes to breast cancer. When it comes to equipping people with the way to handle it, we do very poorly. And you know, mental health support in the US is abysmal at best, right? It's like there's virtually no support, you know, like, uh, and uh, what I see a lot is um, when you have a mastectomy, the, the surgical impact is quite significant. You gotta get the awareness out there, the lymphatic yes. system and how important it is. It's a second circulatory system that is so key and doing a whole body approach into making the body work as a whole unit is, is really so important. These treatments between chemo and radiation, you're killing a lot of cells and it all has to go through your whole lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is what keeps us alive. It just can't process and clean everything out fast enough. So with my radiation, that was when I started having issues of swelling and you end up trapping a lot of fluids that doesn't get out unless you work on manually trying to get it moving out of the area. You got to get the scar tissue broken down, you got to get the fluid moving. It's With the radiation, now you get scarring, you got the swelling, and then of course you get the blistering. Swelling is a function of the ribs not moving. If you get the ribs moving, you're going to use the whole body pump to start getting the whole vascular system moving because the lymphatic system runs with the vascular system. Well, you know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And then, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got, it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. 
like she's done that thing where they take out like do something with her bone marrow and then she has to be in isolation for a month like really intense and she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis right she thinks it's not just like people don't just happen to be getting this there's like environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time and so for her it was almost like this So what you will hear in a second is a clip that I uh, recorded that we with my sister, about the word Karina. This, you know, and I think that it does describe uh, the initial onset of metastatic cancer because you're in this overwhelming dark place where you didn't even know that something has just taken over your entire body. You know, it's everywhere. It's in every bone in your body, in your organs. And you didn't even know that it was in there growing. And all of a sudden, you have this impending possibility of death. And you have to pull your shit together <laughs> and swim and swim up towards the light and keep treading water and uh, find your way out of the abyss, uh, holding it together, being strong mentally and physically, and it's not an overnight process. It's uh, keep treading water and going towards the swimming towards the surface for months and months and months until you get a handle on things, until you're a little bit lighter and you're floating a little bit easier, you know, until um, your body is fighting those cancer cells and, and building a defense, uh, uh, in your own body. And so uh, that word, it makes a lot of sense for, for the first, uh, I think, year that sort of sums up the, the struggle uh, of being thrown in the deep end, and then having to either sink or swim. So of course, chose to swim uh but you know and to come out ahead and floating and sort of relaxing now relaxing and floating <laughs> yeah what do you feel has influenced you along the way and motivated You're listening to the weekly review on Mutiny Radio. But then I immediately thought, oh my grandma, she worked two jobs for as long as I can remember. That example of being such a hard worker and coming from Colombia with barely anything. I mean, she has more than any of it financially and like assets and everything. 
Um, she has more than all of us put together, you know, and that's that that's very impressive, you know. And, and she worked for every single bit of it, you know. She's smart, you know. She's a very good businesswoman, um, and she came knowing just Spanish. She is. She is feisty, she's a warrior, she's a go-getter, she... I think if death came come knocking at her door, she will say, I'm busy, come back later. Like my little granddaughter says, she's strong, intelligent, fuerte, valiente, inteligente, and uh, courageous. If there's anything I want to do, then I should go do it. Don't wait. I was at a low point, but now, after a year or two, now I'm relaxed, happy. Although I'm doing less work, the money is not the most important. The most important is if the person is living happily. I mean, literally, like, life is too short to put up with, with idiocies. Um, and I'm sure that that urgency comes from being sick. You know, you kind of realize that you, you could die any day. But at the same time, you know, I think I really appreciate life a lot more, too. And maybe that's, that was something that uh, we needed to go through to appreciate appreciate who she is and give her the best that we can. Maybe things happen for a reason, not always, but I like to think that maybe this illness is giving us an opportunity for exploring another type of love with her. And welcome back. Thank you so much for playing these clips. There's a... There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Something I was um, curious about was what was the process like in terms of, I mean, you spoke to a lot of folks and there's only a limited amount of time, I would imagine, for the performance. So what was the process like in terms of selecting which pieces to use? Sure, yeah. We So we put a call out earlier this year for people who m might be interested in sharing their stories. And it word got spread that way. We also publicized it in different ways. And then I think it spread through word of mouth as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, of the 31 interviews mm, in the last two months, not only were we creating the dance material together, but I was on the backside, you know, going through the interviews multiple times, trying to um, pinpoint either experiences that I felt were very unique amongst the group mm -hmm. or certain things that were commonalities. And I felt that it was also very important to have the oncologist and the healthcare professional perspective as well. Um, it was challenging and continues to be challenging because I feel like uh, so much of what people shared is important and probably, you know, not very well known by the general public. Mm. Um, you know, for to give an example, there was one woman who uh, was at General Hospital, and she, her regular doctor was not around, but she was dealing with the chemotherapy, and um, she ended up falling into a coma, and they weren't sure why, mm. um, and the family was um, not sure if she was going to come out of it. So they were making preparations, you know, considering selling the house and trying to figure out how to cover the costs if she does pass. Um, and But by some miracle, she came back and she was able to come out of it. And they realized later, after her regular doctor had come back, is that she had hepatitis B. And after each chemo session, they were supposed to have 
tested her blood, um, but they didn't realize that uh, her liver failed, basically. And um, then because of her case, then they, they put into motion certain practices to make sure that everybody gets tested. And, you know, I just feel like it was an unfortunate situation as well because she's an immigrant woman and the way that she shared it with me was that it was a miracle. And, and I definitely felt that. But I also felt uh, where there are some barriers that she had to deal with due to language perhaps um, but also, you know, having people uh, who are familiar with the healthcare system here or um, are, have lived their lives or generations of their lives here who could advocate for her or could have advocated for her. So there were actually a lot of interesting occurrences um, that, that struck me and where I felt like I had to deal with certain questions about ethics being ethical and um, mm. my place of privilege and when should I speak and when should I not. Um, but really, I, I mm. felt like I, it wasn't my place to say anything or make particular comments, but really it was giving them the space to share about what occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there, there are a lot of, lot of different stories and um, we, you know, those of us that got a chance to listen to it were quite moved by all of them, uh, and particularly the the resilience in um, this quest to live, you mm-hmm. know, and the 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 overarching feeling of not being willing to succumb to the disease. You know, of course, there were people who passed and of family members of people who passed that I got the chance to interview as well. Mm. And so they shared another perspective on, you know, their roles as caretakers mm. and how uh, that could be challenging and uh, require a lot of energy and different emotional and psychological tactics to keep their loved ones um, hopeful yes. and pushing forward. Um, as well as their their research for various different and new um, methods of treatment, mm-hmm. you know. So it was mm, a very, yeah. I feel like I'm just yeah. opening the door to this type of research, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, because the there's been such a short short span of of time for me to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But and 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 I I will have to say I will say publicly that if folks do want to share their stories with me, I'm mm-hmm. more than welcome to continue this interview process to be able to capture stories, oh, you know, I think, um, the project will continue in various forms past this performance next weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything, Ian, maybe Ian can talk a little bit about the rehearsal process and how sure. we've been dealing with the material and putting things together. Because for Ian, who came in two years ago, we've, done more um, site-specific works together and the first one was on Angel Island the second one was in a swimming pool (laughs) then Angel Island again Mm -hmm. this is our first opportunity to work together inside a proscenium theater yeah um, alongside that you know uh, last year um, Lenora said we were going to do a project underwater and I didn't know how to swim, and, and um, our other dancer, Johnny, didn't know how to swim either. So we, we, 
we were <laughs> we jumped in and we learned how to swim for the project. Oh, and wow. and this year we're engaging in aerial work and mm-hmm. neither of us have have done or uh, many of us in the company haven't done it before. So now we're flying together. So it's it's been really fun to just jump in these unknown territories for us and to explore in that way. And um, alongside, you know, feeling the, the parallel um, just essence of navigating through um, unpredictable circumstances and situations and, and pathways and how we can support one another and how, you know, we're, we're, we may be limited in certain ranges, but then there's also things that are, um, say, unde- undiscovered mm-hmm. in certain areas. So it's it's been a big um, kind of like boxes of mystery opening <laughs> on the horizon. Um, yeah, we're first time working together in a proscenium theater felt like so strange because you know we're usually at the site in the building um with the audience and, and so now to be shape-shifted into um a certain section of a proscenium theater i know i felt myself kind of like uh unfamiliar again <laughs> to, to this but then yeah i think what um just keeps us going is just remembering that we're here honoring these stories that are being shared and and um yeah part of me um imagines you know like particularly with with this um circumstance it's sort of that unpredictability of it where you don't know your time um frame sometimes and it's like with your loved ones you don't know how much time you have with them and uh, and and so there's like this unknown ticking clock mm-hmm. sort of present and so yeah my my heart goes out to to all those facing and facing it together and 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 the bravery that that entails and also the like Lenora was saying the resiliency of how you know, there's so many different ways of modes of research, and from, from your from your dietary to your spiritual well-being, and like all these things that support it, or just simply being with somebody you love, and and how that captures and and um, keeps you going, keeps you fighting, and so yeah, it's been very warm and, and inspiring to to be with. As Hian mentioned earlier, you know, part of the inspiration for the project was when my sister got diagnosed last year. And at that time, we didn't, we just were all caught off guard. And, and she had uh, stage four mm. metastatic breast cancer. So it had already spread from both breasts to the lymph nodes to her uh, liver and her bones. And we were all just kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how best to support her, mm-hmm. um, what would be the best mode of treatment for her. She was getting lots of different opinions from health care professionals that we knew or were related to. And um, so at that point, given, given what I felt I was capable of doing to help support was... I wanted to be able to interview her 
and just for her her to have the space to talk about whatever she wanted to share in terms of what she was going through, all the information she was learning, you know, how she felt her family was going through um, this simultaneously. She has four kids and she runs a business with her husband. So it was a huge kind of shift in her life and it really forced her to to turn the mirror on herself and, um, and take a look at how how can I heal from this? You know, what is it that that I need to shift in terms of my lifestyle to make the adjustments um, and uh, give my body the space to heal? And so that was really it. It was that first interview with her where I felt, oh, wow. I'm just totally reminded, even though we grew up together, I was reminded, oh my gosh, my sister, she's a strong woman, you know, she's a fighter. And there's there's no doubt that she's just going to keep pushing, which she did. I mean, she's always problem solving. She's always trying to think of, you know, alternatives, uh, ways to look at things, seeking out information. Um, and so really, I mean, if we, if I were to say, okay, how did she heal? Well, she figured it out, you know, (laughs) she, she can figure it out or like she can come to, you know, the, the solutions to problems. And, um, but of course, you know, there is there, you're faced with this question of like, what's your time frame now? Mm-hmm. And how do we look at our time together yes. uh, in a way that is generous, but also very clear so that we can appreciate the time that we have together. Um, and through this process for me, I did a lot of writing actually, and I did, um, I mean, I could share some of that writing, but we did writing uh, as a way for me to process it, like over time, and then um, we ended up building this piece. You know, we have some financial support through grants, but because mm-hmm. it was such a short timeline, really, um, we are still fundraising for this project. Okay. Um, and so, especially if it's going to be an ongoing project, I mm-hmm. think it's worth it to consider you know, how can we support this type of research in the long run? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I appreciate all forms of art and that can really open up conversations and bring people into spaces where they might not either feel comfortable or really know how to get involved, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that you've put this together. Mm, Thank you. And also just highlighting so many voices and recognizing that every person has their own journey and their own perspective on how they handle a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe I can share also uh, the artistic collaborators in the project. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, yes. so we're, uh, we're working with longtime collaborators, Olivia Tang with the media design, and um, saxophonist composer Francis Wong and uh, bassist Tatsuo Aoki, mm-hmm. who's in Chicago. Francis is based here. And um, we're utilizing some existing music tracks with Tatsus from his ensemble in Chicago. We're having some live vocalization and singing from three members of the group here during the show um, with a, a cast of seven. So we have Hien, we have Johnny Wen, uh, Megan Lowe. So Megan has a background in aerial dance. She's uh, been dancing with Flyaway Productions and teaching with Bandaloop, and 
We have Lin Huang and San San Quan. San San teaches at UC Berkeley in mm -hmm. dance and performance studies. We have Jory Horn, who also has experience in aerial dance. Yeah. And so um, we're excited to be bringing this to you. We can also offer tickets. So again, the performances are November 1st and 2nd at mm -hmm. 8 o'clock and November 3rd at 5 o'clock. Okay. The program runs a little over an hour. And then we're having a post-performance panels by some of the interviewees oh. and healthcare professionals. So each night it'll be a different panel. Oh, great. Yeah. And if folks would like to purchase tickets, should they go to your website? Yes, okay. yes, which is Lenora Lee Dance, L-E-N-O-R-A-L-E-E-D-A-N-C-E dot -E -E com. Great. Yeah. Excellent. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Uh, no, just um, we hope to see you there this weekend. Again, the performance is at Dance Mission, uh, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, Friday and Saturday will be at 8 p.m., and Sunday will be at 5 p.m. And, yeah, it would be amazing if you all could come out and be with us, be with the interviewees, and just share that space and time to um, reflect, um, uh, brainstorm, and, and, and just... Yeah, be with each other during this moment in time. Yeah, and I would imagine that each performance will be not only unique in that all performances are unique, and I would imagine that given the folks who will be there afterwards, the conversations afterwards will be different as well. Mm -hmm. So folks could come every night and see a different performance. Mm -hmm. I can share a couple of um, writings. Um, he and has some writing as well that we did as part of this project and process. And uh, this is something that I wrote. Uh, I'll give a, a couple of short excerpts. Mm -hmm. I received a voicemail from my father who said, Karina's oncologist called and said the cancer has spread from both breasts to her lymph nodes to her liver and bones. I hold myself up against the glass windows separating me and the pool from the lobby on the outside. I call my father and he confirms it. Standing in the shower, water flows from the pools of my eyes to cross the intersection of the chlorine water being rinsed from my skin down into the drain of forever. They said this type of cancer isn't detected on regular mammograms. It was only until I complained about the masses that they ordered the 3D ultrasound for me. The technician knew right away that it had spread. Through the blood and the bones, through the tissues and organs, infectious, seeking pathways of their own to new territory, new cells, inhabiting more and more space in her being. If it's not an untype common, it's, if it's not an uncommon type of cancer, why don't they screen as a preventative measure? Then they're missing entire populations who have this. We feel the rivers flowing through the depths of her veins, through the question of tomorrow, through the broken visions of the future, to the pale softness of her skin, holding the storm inside. <sighs> Here's one more short one um, that's a little bit more general. The tides that ripple behind and in front 
immersed in a sea, an ocean. The sunlight glistens across the tips of the waves out to the abyss of the horizon. The nerves calm. Everything releases to the beauty of this water all around, as wide as one can see, as deep as the center of the earth, extended for thousands of years, for generations of life, hosting and giving birth to creatures abound. Look closer. What do you see? Can you see beneath the surface of where the air meets the waves, this dividing line of lands, land creatures and those of the sea? A fourth wall. A fifth wall? Who is the viewer and who is being witnessed? Dive into the ocean of sun rays beaming down through the ripples of the water. As you fall closer and closer to the earth, through the stratospheres, the layers of life, the oxygen amasses. Where will you land? Who will you meet? What journeys will come about? Do I have anything? <laughs> Ian has a writing also. From the self, beyond the self, a collective consciousness, the interconnectedness of all beings, universal frequencies, love in its purest form of frequency, energy, our capacity to awaken compassion, clarity, seeing the goodness and light in ourselves and the universe. We inherit the deeds, the trauma, the gifts of our ancestry, but spiritually and morally, we can be binded, traced, overcome, and bestowed with both burden and gift. Walking serendipitously, highest frequency, love the selfless, giving of mother figures. There is an allowance that opens the window of the being, two channels, the voices cry and call of that which is necessary to be manifested and shared. Oh, thank you for sharing. I think that's a nice way to close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lenora and Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Roman. Very much look forward to the performance. Yeah. Uh, we can offer some know. tickets, too, to your listeners. Oh, yes. So whenever you feel like it, we can give three pairs of tickets away. Okay. Yeah, for the Friday performance, November uh, 1st. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and we'll put it that way if... Um, Three tickets, just email us at lenoraleedance2 at gmail.com. That's Lenora, L-E-N-O-R-A, Lee, L-E-E, dance, D-A-N-C-E, two, the number two, at gmail.com. Just email us and mention Mutant Radio and um, your first name and last name. And the first three people to email us will receive those three tickets. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, we're going to take a bit of a music break here, and then we'll be back with the rest of the program. So thanks again for being here, and we'll see you the first weekend of November. See you, Roman.
And welcome back to the weekly review. Big thank you to Lenora and Hien for coming in. Really looking forward to checking out this show. Uh, for more info, again, please go to LenoraLeeDance.com. So right now, it's technically Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. This show will be replayed again this Friday, October 25th. So, yeah, that's the date. Wow, a lot's on my mind at the moment. Did want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And so recording on a different day, there's, yeah, I'm uh, feeling a little bit all over the place with my head. And still going to put this all together. One would think that recording a little bit in advance might include having more things being complete or uh, run smoothly. And that's not necessarily the case. Also, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and oftentimes there are folks who they think they're producers and, and everything. And then I remember, okay, uh, putting this together... I uh, have a lot of voices and a lot of folks here, and at the end of the day, uh, I, I don't have a producer exactly, so perhaps that's why it feels a little bit rocky at times. Anyway, we do appreciate folks listening, and now I'll be going into uh, another part of the show. Yeah, I'm going to mostly just have other folks talking during the show, because I'm Getting my thoughts together. Did want to acknowledge that we are on Ohlone land. And for folks, if you'd like to read up more, you can go to ramaytush.com. And that is R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com. And it talks about the history of the land and folks who were on the land before it was colonized. So wanting to put that out there as a resource. Also, especially for folks in the East Bay, to please pay the Shumi land tax. And you can type in S-H-U-U-M-I land tax, and that will bring you to the Segorite Land Trust in the East Bay area and learn more about the Ohlone folks and give back to the land. Okay, cool. So coming up next, I am going to be playing an excerpt of a previous show that we did on September 27th, 2019. An election's coming up in San Francisco. I Well, I used to describe myself as an anarchist who votes, which I guess is kind of contradictory. However, I recognize having certain people in positions of power who um, aren't terrible is better than having people in positions of power who are. And, wow, that's, that's a great promotion. Anyway, did I mention that we don't really edit the show? Therefore, uh, we did want to play a previous interview that we did with Chesa Bodine. And Chesa is running for district attorney here in San Francisco. And you know Chesa's on the right side of things because the Police Officers Association are already donating to a PAC to influence the person who's running against him or the person who's got the most votes against him so far, Susie Loftus, who the uh, mayor has put in decided to put in even before the election uh the police officers uh, they association supports her so recognizing that someone who wants to really work for reform is running that person should have the support i hope this sounds like a decent endorsement it's true we are endorsing him and if you'd like to hear more and you most certainly can hear more check out the interview with him that 
we had on the show a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be playing that in just a few minutes here. Wow. Okay. So, again, you can find it at the Mutiny Radio archive. Go to mutinyradio.fm. I'm going to uh, get my thoughts together and chill out for a little bit. So in the meantime, I'm going to play a little bit of a music break, and then we're going to go into the interview with Chesa Bodine. And again, if you want to check out the... There's a couple of voting guides that are out in San Francisco. There's the Pissed Off Voters Guide, and they have endorsed him. Juanita Moore has also endorsed him. A lot of folks have endorsed him. So again, November 5th, vote for Chesa Boudin. And yeah, also if you're in District 5, Dean Preston. So that's where that's where we're going. All right, so now going to put on some music and then we'll get to the, our interview so you can hear more from Chesa himself. Again, a big thank you to uh, to folks tuning in. And if you'd like to support the station, that would be super helpful. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. There's a... There's a uh, donate button. Wow. You know, I meditated this morning. I even worked out a little bit this morning. I biked this morning. One would think that perhaps I'd be more clear-headed, and I am still just so, there's so much going on in the world, and that's always been the case, however, just a lot going on. So thanks for bearing with me. Also, I would appreciate it if you could donate to the show. It'd be a big help. I come here, I volunteer, I do the show, try to put on, try to just talk about important things that are happening, and... I'm happy to volunteer my time, and also, if folks could donate, it would also help out quite a bit. So, if you're able to, go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Anywhere from a dollar a month and more would be gratefully, great, greatly helpful. Thanks to all the folks who do donate. All right. And here's some music. And then, as mentioned before, we'll have the interview with Chesa that we did a few weeks ago. Please do vote if that's something that you're into on November 5th and help get out the word to folks who choose to vote. And here's an end of one song. And then, yeah, this is one of the rougher shows that I've done. And that's okay, because that's how life is.
will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods as Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on reporting from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry Hart, women liberationist, and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coats. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
and welcome back to the Weekly Review. Joined here by Chesa Boudin. Chesa, thanks for being here. Great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I thought we could start off if you wanted to talk a little bit about what brings you into the studio. It could be pretty much anything, but whatever you'd like to start with. Well, I'm excited to be a candidate for San Francisco District Attorney. The election is about 39 days away from today. Mm -hmm. And it's a really unique and exciting moment in San Francisco history. It's the first time in over a century where there's no incumbent running for re-election. Mm -hmm. And it happens to coincide with the first time in, in really any of our lifetimes when there's been a broad national consensus that the criminal justice system is broken, that the status quo approach is not making us safer, is wasting tax dollars, and is destroying families and communities. And it's that intersection of San Francisco circumstance with national criminal justice reform movement that led me to decide to run for San Francisco district attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think many folks could argue that the criminal justice system isn't indeed broken, but it's working as it has been designed, which is to cause a lot of harm for many people. Right. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. It's, a, it's a question of framing. What we know is it's costing us about 10% of our state budget just for the Department of Corrections. Oh. That doesn't account for local expenditures at the county level. And we know that it's a system of mass incarceration where the United States leads the world in locking people up, 25% of the world's prisoners. And we know that the impact of that incarceration rate is not evenly distributed. It's right. much more likely to fall heavily on black and brown communities, on uh, LGBTQ communities, transgender communities. And um, in San Francisco in particular, we have a horrific problem with racial disparities in incarceration. About 4% of the city's population is black, but more than 50% of the jail is black. And, and that's really one of the most visible manifestations of, of what people have come to call mass incarceration. Yes. Yes. And also we've seen like with the homeless sweeps too, like homeless folks and I think folks with uh, are mentally ill are also can be victims of police violence quite a bit as well. We've yeah. Seen. We, we've seen over decades of increasingly tough on crime policies, an approach that really criminalizes poverty, mm -hmm. criminalizes mental health, uh, and criminalizes drug addiction in ways that are not only inhumane and uh, wasteful of resources, but also actually undermine public safety. And my campaign right. is really all about bringing um, a new, fresh approach to criminal justice, one that takes a broader view of the context in which crimes are committed, mm -hmm. and that focuses on trying to prevent crime and heal the harm that crime has caused rather than simply punishing people right. who've committed a crime. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading a, an op-ed earlier that folks had written about how police are sometimes brought into the ideas to solve the problem, but they end up causing more of the problems. One of the things we see, that's exactly right, You know, one of the things that we see, especially in high crime neighborhoods and in heavily policed neighborhoods in San Francisco and across the country, is that many people who are victims of crime, whether it be domestic violence or shootings, hesitate to call the police to report crimes because of their fear, in some cases of retaliation, mm -hmm. but in many cases, fear that the response by the police will actually re-traumatize them or create more problems than they're suffering at the hands of their abusers. That's something we need to change. And it has to start with restoring the integrity of the police department, restoring and rebuilding the trust between communities and law enforcement that's sworn to serve and protect those communities. I. Pardon me, I'm a little bit skeptical of being able to, if the if it's systemically, if police have been brought in to 
in many ways protect property and wealthy folks, is it possible then to even save that institution? Is, and is it even worth saving? Well, so I think that's, that's the challenge, is to find ways to make sure that our law enforcement is not just working for, to benefit and protect the few, mm -hmm. but is actually working for all of us. So I've dedicated my life to ensuring that the criminal justice system benefits everybody, protects everybody, mm -hmm. not just the rich and powerful and yeah. the well-connected. And we know that in San Francisco as across the country, all too often, whether you're a crime victim or whether you're someone who's accused of committing a crime, the quality of justice you receive depends on the color of your skin, mm -hmm. what zip code you live in, mm -hmm. and how much money you have in your bank account. Right. And that's got to change. And that's why I'm running for district attorney. Cool. Great. So what got you interested in uh, deciding to pursue this path? Well, let me take you back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I was born, yeah. my parents uh, dropped me off the babysitter. I was about 14 months old. Mm -hmm. And they had it off for the day, told the babysitter they'd pick me up that night. Mm -hmm. But they never came back. While I was at the babysitter, my parents participated as unarmed drivers in a tragically bungled armed robbery that yeah. left three men dead. Mm -hmm. Those men had families, had children. Uh, those families were torn apart by the crime my parents participated in. Mm -hmm. Even though my parents weren't killed or physically injured that day, our family was also torn apart right. because of the crime my parents committed. My mother ended up serving 22 years in prison. Mm -hmm. My father is still incarcerated. He may never get out. As a result, my earliest memories are going through steel gates, waiting in lines of mostly black and brown women and children mm -hmm. just to see my parents, just to give them a hug. Years, decades now of visiting my parents in prison taught me some hard lessons about how broken our criminal justice system is. Broken for victims of crime who have so little to show mm -hmm. for the billions of dollars that we invest in punishment broken for the people who've been convicted of crimes, who go to what we call the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, mm -hmm. but where we know no one is being corrected or rehabilitated. Right, and we right. have recidivism rates of above two-thirds in California, Oof. and even higher in San Francisco County Jail. Mm. And of course, the system is also broken for the communities where crimes are committed, because those communities are being torn apart. Instead of investing in education, building new schools and universities. Mm -hmm. California has focused for decades on building new prisons. Yeah. Instead of providing equal justice, mm -hmm. we've got this horrifically discriminatory system that undermines public safety called money bail, which I'm proud to say I've fought for years mm -hmm. to end. Um, and it's, it's uh, those kinds of problems that I saw firsthand yeah. growing up, day in, day out, going into prisons to visit my parents, um, receiving phone calls from them, on recorded Department of Corrections mm. phone lines, and thinking about how little punishing my parents was doing to heal the harm that they had caused. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's that's, that's sort of the life journey that led mm -hmm. me to decide to become a San Francisco public defender. Mm -hmm. As a public defender, I represent people who are too poor mm -hmm. to hire their own attorney to make sure that they also have equal justice. Right. As San Francisco's next district attorney, my goal is going to be really similar in some ways, to yes. make sure that everybody in this city, no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how well-connected they are, mm -hmm. has equal justice under law. Yes. And I've been hearing about a few other district attorneys uh, across the country who have also, like there was Tiffany Caban, I believe, in, in New York, and there was also was a person in, I think, Pennsylvania, like there Larry Krasner. Krasner. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is part of a national movement. Mm -hmm. um, you've named a couple. Um, Tiffany Caban came within 55 votes of, yeah. of winning her race. Yeah, really I disappointing. Have, I'd announced that because initially I think at first they reported that she had won, and Correct. I reported it on the show, and then I was sad to learn that was not the case. Correct. It, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, she was ahead by over a thousand votes mm -hmm. on election night. Yes. And then you know the machine was against her from day one. Yes. And yes. She was running a grassroots campaign. Um, it was really people powered. She never had the the fundraising or the institutional support. Mm -hmm. And when they did a recount. Um, they magically found enough ballots that and, and threw many of hers out to where she ended up losing by 55 mm. votes. But I'll tell you, you know, her uh, election and her movement mm -hmm. has inspired people around the country. Yes. Um, it yes. certainly has energized our campaign, mm -hmm. helped generate volunteers for our campaign here in San Francisco. And I'm really honored to be supported by not only Tiffany Caban, but as you mentioned, Larry Krasner, mm -hmm. the elected district attorney in Philadelphia. As well as Kim Fox. Oh, yes, in Chicago. In Chicago, yes. exactly. And Rachel Rollins in Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the people who are really leading our progressive criminal justice reform movement, mm -hmm. who are finding creative ways to reduce mass incarceration, mm -hmm. reduce racial disparities, mm -hmm. increase transparency and accountability for police and other law enforcement agents while keeping our communities safe. And I'm really lucky to have their support and to be able to work with them mm -hmm. on implementing. Um, successful policies that they've modeled in their jurisdictions here in San Francisco starting in January. That's great. So what if so if folks are interested in like helping your campaign, are there ways people can volunteer and or help to get the word out? Absolutely. Um, we are a grassroots campaign mm -hmm. and we depend on people power, creativity, energy, um, you name it. It's really coming from our volunteer base. Mm -hmm. There are lots of things people can do uh, depending on their skills. We'd love to have people phone bank, knock on doors, um, help out around the campaign headquarters, social media. Mm -hmm. um, the best thing to do is go to our website, www.chesaboudin.com. C-H-E-S-A-B-O-U-D-I-N.com. That's C-H-E-S-A-B-O-U-D-I-N.com. You can sign up to volunteer. You can sign up to have a window sign delivered to put in your window. Oh, yeah. We'll put um, one up here. Oh, great. Yeah. I think, I think we have one uh, we, can, we can leave with you at great. the end of the show. Um, and there's lots of other ways people can get involved. So mm -hmm. we, we'd love to have support. And you know, we really look at this as more than just an election campaign. We're, we're building a movement, um, and it's going to continue. The organizing and the grassroots energy has to continue after Election Day. Mm -hmm. um, that's how we're going to effectuate the kinds of changes that we're committed to. Excellent. Yes, I believe um, I saw you. I I've, have volunteered a bit for Shahid's campaign. And so I, th I believe I saw you at the farmer's market. Uh, That's right. I think we were at the, in the inner sunset, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a great farmer's market. I've lived uh, in the outer sunset for many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the inner sunset farmer's market is, is close to my home. Always been one of my favorite locations. And we have a lot of supporters in that neighborhood. So I'm always happy to go and, and uh, get a snack and talk to voters. That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We do have some more time. However, I know you're on a, a time crunch. so Yeah, no, I appreciate that. There are a couple specific issues I'd like to talk about mm -hmm. that are real priorities for me in the campaign and also a couple things that I'd, I'd like to share that I'm proud to have worked on over the last few years. Because yes. I think when it comes to deciding who to vote for, mm -hmm. for me personally, one of the most important things is not just the rhetoric that someone uses or the promises that they make, but also the track record that they have. Mm -hmm. And so I think... You know, the reason I've been able to uh, build such a big movement and, and have so many volunteers 
is really because of my life's work. The perspective that I bring mm -hmm. as someone who's had parents in prison and who's worked every day in the Hall of Justice for so many years, uh, but also because of the work I've done. And, and you know, one of those projects that I've led is around money bail. And I mentioned that earlier, but, mm -hmm. you know, San Francisco and, and all of California has a system where a wealthy person can buy their way out of jail, mm -hmm. no matter how dangerous they are. Mm -hmm. While a poor person who may be wrongfully arrested, wrongfully accused of a low level crime with weak evidence against them will languish behind bars simply because of their poverty. It's a system that is both discriminatory and also undermines public safety. Mm -hmm. And so for many years, I've led litigation efforts in state court. We now have a case pending before the California Supreme Court and in federal court where I've won um, reversals of local practice from more than five different federal judges that have agreed with our argument that this undermines public safety and that this is something which discriminates explicitly, violates equal protection, mm -hmm. violates due process. As district attorney, I'm committed to ending money bail, mm -hmm. to never allowing my staff to put a price tag on freedom. If someone is too dangerous to be released to the community, then the fact that they're wealthy doesn't make them safe. Mm -hmm. And if someone can safely be released with appropriate conditions, right. the fact that they're poor should not be an obstacle to allowing them to go back to their family and community. Of course, yes. Now, there's another area that I think today with the racist Trump administration is more important than ever, and that's immigration. Mm -hmm. The Trump administration is using xenophobic nativist policies and rhetoric mm -hmm. to divide this country. It's using hate for immigrants as a way to drive a wedge between communities mm -hmm. and to scapegoat. It's a tremendously dangerous time across the country because of that really a scary approach that the Trump administration is taking. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be the only candidate in this race who has a long track record of pushing back against ICE, standing up for our immigrant communities. Mm -hmm. um, and I've committed to creating an immigration unit mm -hmm. in the district attorney's office once I'm elected. Let me tell you why. When local law enforcement cooperates with ICE, it undermines public safety. Mm -hmm. It distracts our resources that we need to be spending on local law enforcement priorities. And it undermines trust in immigrant communities mm -hmm. and makes it less likely that immigrants who are victims of crime or who are witnesses to crime will come forward and cooperate with local law enforcement. Mm -hmm. If we want to provide equal justice, if we want to protect everyone in San Francisco, mm -hmm. we need our immigrant communities to know that we have their back, that right. we will never cooperate with ICE. And I'll tell you, back as recently as 2012, in 2013, San Francisco still handed people over to ICE. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you got arrested as an immigrant in San Francisco and taken mm -hmm. to jail, at the end of the case, even if you were acquitted of all charges, even if the district attorney decided not to file charges against you, mm -hmm. the sheriff would hold you until ICE came and picked Ugh. you up. Now, I had a client in that situation mm -hmm. back in 2012. She was a grandmother from El Salvador charged with shoplifting Christmas presents from the Gap for her grandkids. And at that time, everybody said, there is nothing you can do. She's going to get deported. She's going to get handed over to ICE. And, I, you know, luckily I've been to El Salvador. I've lived in Latin America. I mm -hmm. speak fluent Spanish. And I begged her to give me time to not listen to or accept that this was a hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. And I built a coalition. I worked with immigrant advocates across the city. I worked with her family who played a leadership role. And we persuaded the sheriff that he had not only the legal power, 
but the moral obligation to stop cooperating with ICE and to let her take responsibility. She pled guilty to mm -hmm. shoplifting and then go back to her family and her grandkids. Mm. After that case, we did it again and again until we persuaded the sheriff to institute a policy. And ultimately, the Board of Supervisors passed a few months later a sanctuary city policy that mm. I'm proud to say I'm going to continue to defend as San Francisco's next district attorney. Great. Yeah, that's crucial. That's the track record um, that I've got. And here are some of the things we're going to do in keeping with that track record mm -hmm. once I'm elected. First, treat mental illness before crimes are committed. Mm -hmm. Not wait until people commit a crime and go to jail. Today, San Francisco's county jail is the number one provider of mental health services. It's a disgrace. Mm -hmm. It's ineffective. It's inhumane. And perhaps worst of all, it guarantees that we're going to have more victims of crime because we refuse to address the root causes until after someone is victimized. Right. That's got to change, and it will on day one when I'm district attorney. Second, we need to treat survivors of sexual assault with dignity, and that starts with testing every single rape kit. Mm -hmm. When someone has the courage to come forward after a sexual assault, submit their body to an invasive evidentiary gathering process, mm -hmm. cooperate with law enforcement, and then have law enforcement say, we're not going to even bother to test the evidence. We're going to let it gather dust in the evidence room shelves. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening today in San Francisco. That's what's been happening in San Francisco. And it will change when I'm district attorney. We will test every rape kit and treat survivors of sexual assault with dignity. And I'll give you one last example of mm -hmm. something I'm committed to doing. Mm -hmm. Today, victims of crime are largely excluded from the process. Mm -hmm. Often, they never hear from the district attorney's office until and unless they receive a subpoena in the mail. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be the only candidate in this race to have committed to requiring my staff to contact every victim of every crime. within 48 hours to give them a voice and to give them the right to participate in a restorative justice process that can help heal the harm that they've suffered instead of just using them to punish the people that have harmed them. Wow. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah. I'm really excited about the possibility of working uh, with so many of the people in San Francisco, the community groups and organizations that yes. endorse me, the labor unions, mm -hmm. the community activists um, who are part of this movement and who recognize that we can do a much better job keeping our community safe and treating people with dignity. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for your time and, yeah. uh, and enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks to Chase Aboudin for being here. We're going to take a bit of a music break and then wrap up the show in a little bit. Thanks so much for tuning in to Mutiny Radio. And back in just a bit.
and welcome back to the weekly review. That was Tribe 8 with the song Money Loves Me off the album Thanks for the Memories. Okay, so we got a little bit of time left, and I thought uh, we'd go over some news stories and other things that folks can do. So perhaps not even as many news stories, but more action items. So if you happen to be in New York on Wednesday, October 23rd, and again, we're currently broadcasting on October 22nd, you can go to the NNJ Letter Writing Night, which is Wednesday, October 23rd from 6 to 9 p.m. in East Harlem at 215 East 99th Street at the El Barrio Art Space. Join us to write to our incarcerated comrades. They'll have speakers, performers, and food. Uh, And they say, we'll be building community out here and across the wall. Come on through. And again, if you're listening to this perhaps after the 23rd and would like to participate in the future and or, you know, folks in New York who might, you can follow them on Twitter at no new jails, all one word, underscore NYC. Again, at no new jails, underscore NYC. Next up. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I'd prepared a little bit more. I know where things are. Also, the Internet's currently down at the radio station. I know there's that thing where it's like, fake it till you make it. And I also think there's something to be said for vulnerability and checking in when things are not quite going uh, according to plan. So, yeah, that's kind of what's happening here. And perhaps that's why I feel a little bit on edge is that I'd like to put together a program that flows smoothly and sometimes it doesn't go as smoothly as I'd like. And that's okay. And in improv, they had that saying, uh, there's no such thing as a mistake. And I understand... I understand that, and also sometimes it's nice to not have mistakes. And also, you want things to move smoothly. Okay, next up, it's an announcement. Yeah, we'll do announcements. Uh, There's a workshop, which is happening Saturday, October 26th. This workshop is a new three-hour workshop, uh, building upon a newly debuted two-hour workshop, which happened this past Saturday at the Los Angeles Diversity Comedy Festival. And this is put on by Fernando Funes, and here is the information that's on Eventbrite about our teaching artist. Uh, Fernando Funes is the head writer, director, and co-executive producer of the Latinx comedy Pachanga, a Los Angeles-based sketch variety show with the purpose of putting up Latinx comedians front and center. A graduate of the groundbreaking Pack Theater sketch program, Fernando writes and performs on Moonshot which performs every first Sunday of the month at 8 p.m. at the Pack Theater. An improv performer with nearly 10 years of shows under his belt, Fernando has performed hundreds of shows in Orange County, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Berkeley, and even a handful of shows in South America. Fernando's poem, A Day, project finds him writing a poem for every single day of the year. It's a great way to make sense of the chaos of life. The event is being hosted by Colorized Improv, an improv slash talk story movement expressing social, cultural, and personal experiences to explore and cultivate equity, representation, and inclusion. And there's an event bright link and a description. And if you go to eventbrite.com forward slash how dash to dash right dash from dash your dash POC dash POV dash tickets dash seven seven four two eight two six five zero two five and i'll read a little bit about the description 
and I'll also see if I can find a easier way to verbally share the link. Um, in this three-hour pop-up workshop, how to write from your POC POV, we will mine from our personal experiences, backgrounds, cultures, and histories to write deeply personal sketches that are true to our unique POC experiences in America. Learn how to use your experiences to create sketch comedy that is a reflection of your POC identity. Discover what a POC sketch is and its purpose, why sharing your POC experience is important, and how an approach to the sketch writing process can connect with audiences. For reference, we also will have fun watching a few POC sketches to see how others express themselves, and then we will come up with outlines of our own sketches. Who you are. You are you, a person of color who loves sketch comedy. You are seeking to learn how to use your unique POC experience to write sketches and, perhaps along the way, create comedy gold. By the end of the workshop, you will, one, learn why page one is the most important part of your sketch, uh, understand the basics of writing a three to four page sketch, learn the importance of writing down your ideas ASAP, build agreement with your audience about your sketch, walk away with an outline of a sketch, share in a Q&A among other workshop writers. What to bring with you? You do you, digital or analog, to write yourself, please, oh, yourself. Please arrive on time so we can dig in and get the most out of the workshop digital. Please bring a laptop computer or tablet with writing software with which you are comfortable. And then if you're doing analog, please bring a legal pad or whatever paper product or pen, pen or pencil on which you like to write. About our teaching artist, Fernando Fuenes is the head writer, director, and co-executive producer of the Latinx comedy Pachanga, a Los Angeles-based sketch variety show with the purpose of putting up Latinx comedians front and center. Okay, and I've read the bio, and I'll go here. Uh, Fernando's Poem a Day project finds him writing a poem for every single day of the year. It's a great way to make sense of the chaos of life. You can follow Fernando on Twitter and Instagram at Fernando A. Fuenas, and that's F, that's at F-E-R-N-A-N-D-O-A-F-U-N-E-S. And so, yes, that's on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm going to see if I'm going to talk while I try something, so bear with me. And it's uh, one of those shows. I'm going to see if we look on Twitter, if we can see if there's a link for the Eventbrite invite. This will take me just a moment. Again, thanks so much for tuning in to the weekly review midweek and also end of the week on Friday when this will be uh, playing. Okay. And looking here, don't currently see a link on Twitter. However, I believe hopefully on Instagram you can also check it out there. And then also there's a WordPress. There's a link to the WordPress site. So I'm going to see if there's a link there. Thanks for bearing with me. And thanks for tuning in. And best case, worst case, whatever case, check out eventbrite.com. Uh, and then if you type in the name of the workshop, um, hopefully you can find it there as well. And I'm going to cut and paste it again.
So yes, if you go to eventbrite.com and check out how to write from your POC POV. And again, it's hosted by Colorize Improv. It's happening Saturday, October 26, 2019, 1.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Counterpulse, which is at 80 Turk Street in San Francisco. Our refund policy refunds up to one day before the event. And yeah, so please do check out this event. Okay, back to some more items. Bolivia elected a, an indigenous socialist um, to office, and there have been a lot of right-wing attacks, which seems to happen no matter what, which is deeply upsetting. So, yeah, that's awful. Um, ugh. And also in Chile, there have been a lot of uh, folks protesting, um, the cost of living has been just ridiculously too high, and so folks have really taken to the streets. There's also been millions of people protesting in Lebanon. There's been people protesting in Haiti. People have been protesting everywhere. So wanting to announce that. Oh, and I recognize uh, we're doing a really uh, brief synopsis of the news, so please do. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, that's I mostly end up retweeting things and sharing news items from folks who are in these places I'm talking about. So if you want to follow me, you can do so at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. Also, if you happen to be listening today on Tuesday and you're in Oakland and or can get to the East Bay, uh, dear APTP supporters, Oakland police are out of control. They just violently arrested a leader of our community. Join us tonight at the Oakland City Council Public Safety Committee to demand real police oversight and accountability to prevent OPD crimes. This is the Oakland City Council Public Safety Meeting happening Tuesday, October 22nd at 6 p.m. at Oakland City Hall, Sergeant Mark Dunnikin room, first floor, 1 Frank H. Ogawa Plaza in Oakland. The committee will read the community's proposal to radically reform the Oakland Police Commission, Measure LL, for the first time, Let's Show Up in Force. We'll also be supporting Wilson Riles, who was assaulted by OPD last week. Wilson Riles, a former city council member, mayoral candidate, and longtime civic leader in Oakland, was at a city office when he was thrown to the ground and violently arrested by OPD. Tonight, he asks his Oakland community to show up as he protests his treatment and OPD's treatment of black Oakland residents. Folks can also contribute to his PayPal account, which is at W-R-I-L-E-S at PacBell.net. Again, contribute to his PayPal at the email address is W-R-I-L-E-S at PacBell, and that's P-A-C-B-E-L-L dot net. And they also have an article for more info on OPD's violent assault of Mr. Riles. We read this article. APTP is a great organization. If you'd like to get more involved, you can find them online. And the article they've linked to is um, from SF Gate, and it came out on October 20th by the Bay City News Service. Ex-Oakland council member says he was forcibly arrested while complaining to planning department. I'll read a little bit of this article. A former Oakland City Council member says he was forcibly arrested in the city's planning and zoning department on Thursday after an argument with staff stemming from a long dispute over having a sweat lodge on his property for his Native American spiritual practices. Wilson Riles Jr., 73, served on the Oakland City Council from 1979 to 1992 
He said that he was leaving the city office on Thursday morning. Um, that as he was leaving the office, city office on Thursday morning, he was confronted by police officers who threw him to the ground and handcuffed him without giving him any indication that they intended to intended to arrest him. An Oakland police spokesperson said the department would not provide any additional details about Ryle's arrest until Monday. Police logs indicated he was arrested. I'm not going to read their report on the police logs. For more info, you can check out the article again at SFGate, and it came out on October 20th. All right. So we are coming to the end of the program. Again, thanks, folks, for tuning in. And I believe there was one more story I wanted to get to, and that might not happen just now. Yep. Oh, we got another one. Um, okay. So again, if you're listening, um, whenever you're listening, um, this is, this is about the, a lot of folks who are unhoused have been, had their items stolen, um, by police and department of public works, both here in San Francisco and in Oakland, as well as other places here in the United States and folks are coming together to protest. So this is a protest that's coming up this week. Uh, Caltrans is coming on Thursday, October 24th, and October 25th. Upstairs, downstairs will be hit on Thursday. Gilman and Ashby shell mound on Friday. And again, these are uh, encampments. And the person has, says who wrote this says uh, that they've spoken to the majority of the residents, and they have approved an occupation of the two encampments, meaning residents are inviting homeless throughout Berkeley to move to the Seabreeze slash excuse me, I-80 underpass to stand collectively together. Currently homeless in downtown Berkeley are being harassed and many are being cited with violation of the sidewalk ordinance. And a little bit more information and just instructing for folks to share. Uh, Are you homeless in Berkeley? Are you housed and want to stand in solidarity with us? And we are asking all homeless who are tired of being kicked around, harassed, vilified, hated, and alone to join the encampments at the Seabreeze and under the I-80 in- over- underpass. We have room for your tent. Caltrans is coming this Thursday, October 24th. Come and pitch your tent so we can collectively tell the Bay Area that we are human and that we exist. Alone you can be harassed, but we can stand together as human beings to demand an answer to where do we go. So many citations are being issued in downtown Berkeley each week. There are evictions all through Oakland this week. We are welcome to... All are welcome to join us. This is a nonviolent action. No, you are worthy and you are not invisible. A movement has started. Join us. And it's under the hashtag, where do we go, Burke? And that's in Berkeley, as in Berkeley, B-E-R-K. And again, I also just want to rephrase instead of saying stand up to, to show up is another way of using that. So, yes, there's lots of ways that folks can show up. And, yeah, all right. So... That being said, I'll end on a, we'll do another Tribate song and have a great week, weekend, everyone. Uh, Thanks for showing up in any way you can. And we'll be back with another show on the following Friday. Yeah. There's a song called Sensitive. I'm a pretty sensitive person and perhaps you are too.
유저라 너무 유저라 Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a and dogs on August 18th to benefit Mission Language and Vocational School and celebrate the peak of sunshine? For more info, check out the Noise Pop Block Party website. At Are you tired of some piles of filthy cash? I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty, this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcast and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday 8 to 10 down here at Mutiny Radio. You'll laugh off your tushy and save your life because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> 
Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Dr. Taylor's Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material and I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Making big splits and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. Good feeling. I am a total fan of Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Let's watch a
nine months ago, a small hand-wrought baton began a journey in John O'Groats, Scotland, packed tenderly into the crusty saddlebags of some adventurous next to her underwear and can opener. At present, the thing is several time zones away, but on its way to San Francisco next month, Friday, October 4th, we will be celebrating its arrival with a party at Moto Guild on Treasure Island. Join us in welcoming the Baton and her bearers, the Women's Riders World Relay, to Northern California, making its way back to Europe via everywhere from the furthest reaches of six continents, Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Oceania, and on its way across North and South America, igniting a global sisterhood of inspirational women to promote courage, adventure, unity, and passion for biking. There'll be music, food, entertainment, neat bikes to look at, stories to swap, art to ogle, purchase, and people to meet. Everyone is, of course, invited to bring the whole family. Admission is free, but bring a few bucks for food, bevies, a raffle, and cool stuff from vendors. On Friday, October 4th, San Francisco will be celebrating the arrival of the Baton in California at Moto Guild on Treasure Island from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Come celebrate your love of the motorcycle and the women who ride them. For more information on the party and other awesome motorcycle-related tidbits, join the Dames Don't Care Motorcycle Collective on Facebook. For lots of info on the relay, visit womenridersworldrelay.com. Hope to see you there at Moto Guild on Friday, October 4th with Dames Don't Care. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Let's watch full length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. Hi. Let's watch full This is Carl. Movie. I'm Mike's friend. On YouTube with I wrote Michael this song. Spiegelman. My turn ons are sad sheets. I like to pee outdoors. Welcome, welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Uh, Carl? <laughs> yeah, we are never going to rename this show, right? We're just going to leave Oh, it. I should get it down by now it. after six years. Uh, we do this every week. We are right now broadcasting on mutinyradio.fm as we do every Sunday, a little Sunday matinee for you. Uh, 2 p.m. Just go to type in mutinyradio.fm, hit the listen button. You could also find our streaming feed and add it to your podcast the app, which I do. And we have a donate button, uh, so you can donate to the station. We always appreciate it. You can do it by Venmo. You can do it by Patreon, or just go to the site and hit the donate button. See what what appeals to you. And check what out all site? the shows. What site? Mutinyradio.fm. FM. FM. I, I always type in .fm.com. <laughs> slash AOL. I still got 20 hours. Uh, and we also are on a podcast. It's by our acronym's name. That's why we say it up front. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. All right, Carl. And uh, I'll stop my stupid stick. 
L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You can find us on YouTube. Carl syncs up video and audio for you, or you can just follow us on the podcast. What we do is we watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to watch it with us, and we want you to listen to us and watch the movie on mute at the same time. So, Carl, what is the movie today? Today we are watching blah, 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 blah. That is, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Okay, today we are watching The Stone Killer, 1973. The Stone Killer. Intriguing. And I don't know. I like is, it. Is, this guy's of the Isles. Halvar. Halvar of the Isles. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we want you to go find The Stone Killers from 1973. Type that nope. in. Singular. The Stone Killer, which doesn't make sense to the plot, as you'll see later. So Sharon survives, but Oliver dies. Is that what you're saying with the Stone Killer? Right. That's exactly yeah. right. Sharon um, survives. Oliver. But Oliver gets it. <clears throat> All right. Type in Singler, the Stone Killer, 1973. We're looking for how far the Isles is hosting it. Isles. Isles. <laughs> like, it's probably English. It's Wait a minute. Probably... So hang on a sec. Killer Isles. Killer Got Isles. It. I got it. So, singular killer. But, so, go ahead, find the link, click it, hit pause immediately, move your timer to zero, zero, zero. We want to play the movie all at the same time. And to do so, Carl, who not only produces the show, not only writes the theme song and researched this entire movie, he <laughs> interviewed a comedian, a celebrity comedian out in the tri-state area. Uh, it or, could be from anywhere in the world. I'm going to guess New Jersey. But I haven't heard this segment, but I'm really excited. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Pam Benjamin. Oh! Now, Pam, every week we are broadcasting on mutinyradio.fm, and we always start the show by, like, plugging where people can donate and stuff. But recently you had a fundraiser. Yeah. This anonymous donor, like, capped it off tell me about this how much are we talking here and how anonymous is this guy really yeah so it was amazing um we have a 501c3 umbrella meaning that there's this group called media alliance that helps us out with their 50c3 number because we're like a community resource but i don't know how to be a 501c3 anyway so they made this mighty cause for us which is amazing and it means that people could give us money, it's tax deductible for them. And then a lot of times their companies match funds. Uh -huh. So we actually made more than $10,000. We made like $13,000 because places like Google and other big companies will match. And there was a semi, I mean, he likes to be anonymous, but uh -huh. he is a, an incredibly generous uh, comedian who also happens to be a really talented computer programmer mm -hmm. and makes money and is just so sweet and is incredibly helpful to the station. And we were like a thousand two hundred away from the goal, and he capped it off. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you." What I call his nickname is Iceman Zero, um, <laughs> and he's really funny and really wonderful and incredibly supportive. Um, so that was amazing. That made the rest of our year at Mutiny Radio super a lot easier. Um, cause I want to use, ad I want to have advertising funds for this year's festival because it's going to be so amazing. And the most exciting news is that the city contacted me and they want to be on board and they want to help out with some outdoor stuff during the week. 
And that would be incredible because then we'd have city sponsorship, which would mean that I could have ads on the Muni buses. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a dream come true. So there's 10 venues that are involved this year in the comedy festival. And I'm just excited to try to take, you know, Mutiny Radio to the next level. So people know, a lot of people know who we are in San Francisco. And I want everyone in San Francisco to know that we've got five open mics a week and I produce a ton of showcases and we've got the festival. This is my seventh festival. I can't yeah. believe that it's, that I'm doing this again. Uh, <laughs> but it does get easier every year. And um, this year we're going to have a comedy crawl because five of my venues are in walking distance from one another. So on the okay. Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have a comedy crawl and um, Alameda comedy club is involved now, which is amazing. So the headlining show is going to be in a real club. And um, I'm just, I'm so excited. And then the rest of my regular venues, OMG and, and the bar on Dolores and um, Atlas cafe. Like I have a really, a lot of really unique places where they let me do comedy so yeah i mean i'm things couldn't be better it's coming right up it, it, it's about three or four months away in october it's what did you tell me october 9 through the 15th is the comedy festival yeah now comedians come from all around the country for this i have been one uh two times so how do people um register how do people find find you know do they go to mutinyradio.fm to get involved yeah, I mean, I should I should put it on there. Um, you know, I'm an old woman, so I use a lot of Facebook, <laughs> which is annoying. But we also have an Instagram, Mutiny Radio SF is our Instagram. And please, please follow us. I, I'm old. I don't understand Instagram. I don't know how right. to get people to follow me. I'm like, just, you're supposed to do it, right? And then I put content on there. And um, But it's uh, the submissions are open. I've kind of been pushing it through facebook right now but they're open until july 31st and it's 30 dollars for people who've never applied for their first time and it's 20 dollars if you've been in the past and i mean if you're a mute you're free carl because you're you're part of staff you know oh yeah you and mike are staff come on (laughs) but the t-shirts this year are going to be insane my gift bags are always awesome and it's people are kind of saying it's a really good first comedy festival um because I try to treat it like comedy summer camp. I want everyone to get to know each other. Yeah. I want I want to like I want to hear someday that two comedians like met at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival and they like fell in love and then they both moved to Austin, Texas or something <laughs> like that, you know? And that hasn't happened yet, but that's sort of my dream is that people in 10 years say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we met it. We met at uh, the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival and we've been <laughs> together ever since." And either it be like a like a comedy couple of people that want to write together or I mean anything I just I'm trying to bring people together collaborations yeah connections you know it's always better when we're all together especially as comedians which is an act you do alone you know so it's better if you coalesce well and I think it completely makes sense for comedians to collaborate as opposed to compete in that the audience has an infinite ability to laugh they can laugh at anything they can laugh at you know Perry Kurtz coming out on roller skates. They can laugh at me telling menopause jokes. They can laugh at gone in 60 seconds from the 70s. They can be, I mean, they can laugh. There's so many, they can love puns. They can, you know, it. they can love 
cute young white guys, whatever, whatever they like, it's, <laughs> it's all there. Um, so I want to, you know, c- collaboration. And, and the other thing about that's great about the festival is that I've met so many people over the United States that whenever I do travel, well, I haven't since the pandemic, but whenever I do travel for comedy, I have a billion places to go. And everyone's like, oh, Pam's coming. And so then, right. uh, then I get, you know, bookings and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a great way to network and meet people. And Now, Mutiny Radio is all about comedy, and you provide opportunity to comedians, not just during the festival, but all the time. You were telling me you got, like, four or five mics. You're doing mics five days a week now, right? Yeah, I run mics Monday through Friday. I, I mean, it's 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 almost kind of a, it's not a selfish endeavor, but I wish when I was starting out that there was someone like me who was nice to people and was like, hey, here's where all the shows are. I mean, now we have Bacon, we have Bay Area Comedy Network, but when I started 11 years, my 11-year anniversary is actually coming up July 17th. Terrific. 2022 is my 11-year. And when I started, there was no bacon. There was no pre-sign. There was no, you had to, there was nobody sharing where the mics were. You had to, like, figure out in whispers where they were because you didn't want other people to take the time and you were rushing around from place to place. Don't tell them about Nick's Crispy Tacos, you know. So <laughs> now I've, I've, I've always wanted things to be different, that it makes it that there's a place where you feel like you're at home and that you know the people around you and it's not scary. It's not like when you go, are they going to make fun of me? Are they not going to? It's like, no, we're all buddies. Come on. You know, try, try new stuff. Be weird to have it's that. A better environment. And you're really part of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got this fabulous vacation coming. I think we're going to produce four episodes all at once to cover it. And you're going to Greece, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people like to go to Burning Man. Um, I like to go to Burning Man with water next to it and nice bathrooms and people that speak Greek. No, it's um like it's it, it, to go to Burning Man cheaply. It costs about fifteen hundred dollars. So that's kind of my threshold of what I would spend on a vacation. Right. And in Greece, that's all I'm spending. Like the, I got the airfare before the gas prices went kablooey, right. and it's free to camp in Greece. So. I'm going to meet some buddies. We're going to go around to the islands. I'm going to spend like less than 1500 bucks and live like a queen on a beach. Um, yeah. And just not think about come. That's not true. I'll think about, I'll write a lot, I think, but I just, I for, I don't know who I am without comedy. I, I, so I need to, it's been three years since I've traveled. And so, and I've just been doing comedy nonstop every day and to, to take a break for a month and be like, who am I? Because I, I've sort of forgotten. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be important, and it's going to change my comedy when I come back. Yeah, because your perspective will be fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and really good. then I won't be so caught up in the day-to-day drama of the San Francisco comedy community. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it, you know. You're going to reset, essentially. <laughs> yeah. The only bad thing is that Greece hates weed. There's no weed in Greece. They're totally against it. So I'm just not going to smoke weed for a month, which Uh is going to be another cleansing, like life-affirming, strange thing to do for me. I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes, and I'm not going to smoke any weed for an entire month. And we'll see what happens when I come back, if I'm like still this enormous pothead or if I've, you know, if I chill out a little bit, and what happens when I don't smoke cigarettes? Like, oh, yeah, that's gonna be different. Because I still run and work out and stuff, but I smoke. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, how much faster my mile time will be <laughs> without cigarettes. Yeah, it's probably going to change and it's probably going to, well, let's find out. I'm not going to predict. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Now, listen, about these uh, mics that people can, I just want to focus on the ones that are at Mutiny Radio. You have yeah. Fantastic Clubhouse. You have Joke Workshop. When are these? Because people like that they're then broadcasting also on the air. Yeah, I have so many podcasts that are there in perpetuity. Mondays at 6 is Joke Workshop, and comedians do four minutes of material, and they get four minutes of comments by their comedian peers. Like, I take copious notes and try to be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's Monday, 6 to 8. You can find it on our website in our index, mutinyradio.fm. You look at the index, Joke Workshop. And then Fridays at 6, I run Happy Hour. And okay. that's from 6 to 8. And same thing, you can find them. And uh, that's 